Shut up and sit down. Insert Ricky Ricky. Should I just add one in? <laughs> when I adjust the uh, volume on the uh, headset, you guys can't tell that it was fading out yet, could you? No, because it was just loud. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so uh, this is, uh, I'm going to start off right. This is the new Utah podcast. 26th episode. Um, Let's start this one out right. Yeah, 26. So next week is the 27th. We're not taking a week off for the holiday. Uh, at least I don't think we are as of yet. Yeah. Um, but the holiday is uh, in a couple days. Tomorrow, probably, for those of you that are listening to this. Um, hopefully, Tur- you listen on Wednesday. Um, if not, maybe you have something yeah, to listen to. listening while they're cooking their turkey dinner. I, I, hope they're, I hope they're all sitting there with their family listening to the... <laughs> should be very, very vulgar. Then. Speaking of turkey day, uh, I got to get my brine ready tonight for my turkey. And if your turkey was not out of your freezer last night, uh, you are SOL. Well, you're not SOL. You can water thaw it, but that's really not advised. It's not the best way to do so, it. So speaking of non-advised food, um, last weekend we went to the Costco's as you do on the weekends. And we got some hummus. I, I got to be honest with you. I actually try to avoid on the wholesome yeah. stores on yeah. the weekends. I actually thought about Chris with what you're going to say. So so we got some hummus at the Costco's. And uh, over the weekend, I consumed a fair amount of it. Uh, yesterday, we Listeria. get an email and a phone call from Costco saying, oh. if you purchased said hummus, please return it quickly. What, uh, what brand? Sabra. Sabra. So You're fucking serious? Yeah. So, yeah. So if I'm just their a, plant, yeah. The whole plant? Yeah. So I got a fucking thing head. of Sabra up in my fridge and I ate one last week. Yeah, so uh Better double check your next dates. <laughs> next week just may be the only one left. Well for not, the podcast. Look, Lister, it's not Don't die. I'm not I would probably already have effects of Listeria from the Probably. Old one. However, I do have concerns about the new one that's upstairs. I'm kinda pissed off now. Yeah. So we took ours back. Today. Yeah, I'm going to do that now, I think, to Harmons. And you know what I'll replace it with? Harmons. Yeah. They Harmons. make they make their own. And it's you good. You can make it, your own. It is really good. You're a chef. I could. It's a lot of fucking work. So if you're going to do hummus right. Let me, let me be clear. The $3 to $4 I spend on hummus with like spicy peppers in it or roasted red peppers. Roasted garlic. Yeah. Is probably worth the amount of time and effort it would take for me to make my own hummus. It's pride. Let alone the cost. Like it would probably be more expensive for me to buy the shit for my own hummus. So this is your this is your Thanksgiving hummus alert. Yeah, apparently. Uh, don't eat the hummus, kids. To be clear, though, I don't think hummus is a big Thanksgiving dish. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> I mean, it could be, but it's There's just Mediterranean people all of our Mediterranean Utah listeners. <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I'm going pretty simple with the menu this year. It's a much smaller Thanksgiving for us. So smoking a turkey. Um, did that last year, and I don't think I will ever not yep, smoke a turkey. I'm smoking now. a turkey as well. So good, so good. But I, I don't just brine mine when I smoke it. I inject it. I've seen. I haven't tried it, but I've seen that. Uh, it's fantastic. That reminds me, I gotta find my injector. <laughs> it's somewhere in my storage room with all of my cooking. Oh, gadgets. you know, I got us totally off track. We were doing so good. We should. No, it's fine. It's fine. Introduce we, ourselves. It's, maybe. Yeah, fuck it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I inject it with a uh, a butter that's got some hot sauce and garlic and 
some other stuff in it. So do you do that pre-brine or post-brine? No, post-brine. Because if you do a pre-brine, it doesn't really matter. It'll all seep out. So right before you actually smoke it, like... You'll season it up, you know, spray it down with oil or, or whatever to get your seasoning to stick, season it up inside and out. Um, and then you, you shove the needle in and, and pump it full of juices of whatever kind of, mostly do butter. Um, and then, uh, shove shit in the cavity. I, you butterfly yours. I butterfly mine. But I, I do mine whole. I try to do mine whole. Uh, just shove some shit in the cavity and, uh, stick it in the smoker for a few hours. Well, you'll definitely get the more Norman Rockwell look with yours. Nice and golden. Looks all beautiful. Mine looks good. It's just butterfly. It looks like it got run over by a truck. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It tastes it's so It tastes, still tastes just as good. It's so juicy when it comes out. So anyway, simple menu. Uh, doing the turkey and then, you know, staples, mashed potatoes. I make candied yams. Everyone likes my candied yams. It's funny because everyone's like, oh, I fucking hate yams. Why do people serve sweet potatoes or yams at, at Thanksgiving? They're so gross. It's because all you've ever had is some fucking retarded Utah person's Yams. Out of a can. Out of a can. They're not candied. I use canned yams. I don't care. Uh, but, you so, know, I grew up in Southern cooking, and candied yams are a treat that everyone should be able to eat. And so do you do the marshmallow style? Yeah, there's marshmallows on the top. I mean, they're they're candied with ginger and nutmeg and a little bit of cinnamon, some brown sugar, some honey. Um, they're so good. They're so good. How about you, Jess? What are you making for Thanksgiving? I'm in charge of the pie. What kind of pie? pie? Pumpkin. Who are you having Thanksgiving with? My family, my brothers, and my parents. Uh, Bree's making me pie. She's going to make me a uh, French soap pie. My mom made me promise I wouldn't do anything crazy, though, so I am. Doing stuff crazy? Mm-hmm. You should. Yeah. Are you doing like a Cthulhu pie? <laughs> you know what I saw... <laughs> So No, I'm actually making a pumpkin pie the old way with sweet condensed milk instead of evaporated. Mm. Are you and using a real a, pie pumpkin? And I'm doing a, a gingerbread crust. Are you going to use a real like sweet pumpkin, like a, a sugar pumpkin? No. You're going to use canned pumpkin? Uh, but not pumpkin pie filling, actual oh, that's pumpkin. That's terrible. We always use regular pumpkin. Pumpkin yeah. pie People filling. don't know. I don't like that. I don't like it as much. Uh, so I'm Chris. Uh, we have Jeremy, and we also have Jess, who yep. is, I was going to ask you, because you are like cake baker extraordinaire. I've, I, every time I see one of your damn cakes, I'm just blown away. Uh, I saw something today. It's a uh, pie cakin. It's I, I can actually tell you, and I will make them for you if you would like a pumpkin pie in a cupcake. Oh, I can do so that for good. you. So it's a uh, pumpkin pie mm-hmm. with a pecan pie on top of it. Mm-hmm. Baked inside of a cake. Baked inside of a cake. Yep. With oh. a a cinnamon ginger That's a uh, lot of work. Frosting. You have no idea. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I know it's a lot of work. I saw it. They like make it look easy, like the yeah, super no. tasty things. Which, by the way, this weekend, not this weekend. Yeah, it was this weekend uh, when we were over at uh, Josh and Chris's. Yeah. And uh, uh, your wife and uh, Carissa made something that they had seen on oh, Tasty or whatever. Yeah. yeah, some Pinterest thing. So it was this buffalo chicken pull-apart bread. <laughs> and it was like pizza dough with... A buffalo chicken, like chicken with buffalo sauce and mozzarella and more mozzarella in it. And Josh decided, you know, after they had already poured like two cups of the super hot Frank's hot sauce. He decided uh, to add a little more. He wanted to try and add more. That shit was hot. But it was really good. Except it was kind of a Pinterest fail. And I it gotta looked be, horrible. Yeah, it it tasted look, good. Didn't look anything like what they showed on Pinterest. 
But, you know, it wasn't bad. I feel bad. Did Was my intro not good enough for you guys today? That was beautiful. Be good with it? Jess, Je- Jess looks thumbs just up. totally dejected. Is it because I don't have Queen playing right now? I can't even hear anything. I'm I, actually, on today. I actually think it stopped anyway. Um, nope, nope. There's the commercials. Uh, so I have a few things for you today. Uh, it is the holiday, so uh, we'll keep it short. We have a wonderful interview uh, with uh, Steve Conlon who is the uh, owner-proprietor of um, Ogden's Own Distillery, makers of Five Wives Vodka, which is freaking fantastic, Uh, The Underground, which is a great Sambuca licorice-style liquor-ish, and uh, the new Porter stuff, so uh, Porter's Peach, Porter's Fire, and uh, something new uh, that he tells us at the end of the interview, so stick around for that. Um. Yeah. What's going on this week, Jess? I know there was uh, some drag stuff going on last the week, but there's something events. new, right? Uh, this Thanksgiving week? Sure. There is a dinner, drag dinner on Friday at Club X. If you are tired of leftovers and don't feel like cooking and just want to kick back and have a really good time, that will be this Friday. So I, I don't think anyone's tired of leftovers by Friday. They but, might be. It depends on how much they eat on Here's Thursday. the deal. By Friday night, you don't want to fucking be around your family. <laughs> like or Thursday I, night. I know, I know, bar owners from my other life that uh, exists outside of this podcast. And uh, the day after Thanksgiving, the day itself not so great, but that night, really good business for bartenders. So go out see. Uh, is there? There's a show I assume at the dinner mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Yeah, go out yep. and see it. It'll be fantastic. Yep. Uh, are you making omelets? Not for dinner. We what have appetizers. Are you doing, I don't know what we're doing. What this do you make week. for dinner? Are you just going it changes to changes every week? Are you just going month. to attend, or do you? Do no, I co- I do the cooking. You do the cooking. <laughs> She's yeah. slave labor in the I back. Am slave labor. Yep. So she yeah, there is the no. Yeah, there is no no stalling and watching, and it is busy for. Now just hours. I'm just kidding. It, you volunteer time for that, right? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, it's not slavery yep. if she willingly does it. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think. <laughs> um, something else exciting about this weekend is uh, after you do all of your Black Friday shopping, uh, the yeah, remember Small Business Saturday and support your local businesses, whether you're listening here in Utah or uh, I'd say in Scotland, but they're actually here in Utah right now, so <laughs> or in Canada, you know. Um, make sure that you're supporting your local, your local businesses. Yeah. Go out and, and shop local. So, you know, be stupid and go to Walmart at 4 a.m. on the day after Thanksgiving or at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving. And then go Peter, to Peterson's go, farm after that and get and your go tree. Eat. Go, go tell your family to fuck themselves because you'd rather get $100 off that stupid TV that's a piece of shit anyway. Um, and then uh, on Saturday... <laughs> Go out and Eat spend at a local some local restaurant. Yeah, go to go to a local a game board company or yeah, go go to a local game shop and buy a game for someone. They all run sales too. Uh, it's not just the big retailers, so they all run sales and usually through the weekend. If you're um, and if you're actually on Facebook and go into events and just search locally, the most of the local businesses have their sales listed as Facebook events. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So a great way to support people locally. Uh, local antique shops and things like that always do great stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, good call, Jess. Good call. And don't go fucking support those big box assholes on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> you know, I, I will say, I saw a commercial for, I think it was uh, the TJ Maxx group. So it's like, what, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, mm-hmm. and Marshalls? Marshalls? Is that the other yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, that won't open on Thanksgiving Day. And it was a nice little commercial about spending time with your family. And I believe the Mall of America in Minnesota is not opening as well. God, fucking thank God. Yeah, there are a couple of people that have put their foot down and but said... Walmart's commercial says they start at 6. Oh, yeah, fuck Walmart. <laughs> you know, fuck all those big box shops. They're like that. Best Buy's the same way. Like, don't open your fucking doors that. Just don't. Just close. You can be closed on Thanksgiving. And if you're one of those assholes that goes to the store on Thanksgiving, fuck you. Spends the whole day camped out. Yeah, just, no, fuck you. Spend some time with your family. I mean, even if you hate your family, at least go to a local bar and buy booze. Local booze. Five wives. Five wives. Five wives. Mountain West Cider. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, tis the season. Uh, we have, uh, throughout the weekend, if you want to do something festive, there are several light parades. Uh, Ogden, Spanish Fork, Kaysville. Uh, you could also go to Bravenel Hall, where they are doing the Messiah singing. I believe that's both Friday and Will Saturday. Messiah, the Messiah be there for the singing? You never know. <laughs> um, and then it's also the week before. I'm just bringing I, this up. I, I got half a chuckle and sort of a glance on that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was laughing inside. Uh, deep. Deep, deep inside. inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus wasn't laughing because he doesn't think stuff's funny. Well, it sure wasn't the Holy Spirit. So. <laughs> is there something else there? Yeah, I have a couple of different things. Um, <laughs> I'm trying here. You're good. Next weekend is, I'm just saying this week in advance so you don't forget, uh, Utah has an event every year at the beginning of December called the Festival of Trees. And why are you looking at me like that? I'm looking at the notes. I'm trying okay. to read your chicken scratch. <laughs> Sorry, I wrote it really fast. Well, and um, part of it's facing me on the little post-it, and the other half is oh, like no, those upside are questions. down. Yeah. Uh, for our interview. Now it's all upside down. Oh, anyway, sorry. sorry. Anyways, Festival of Trees, all of the proceeds of these amazing trees that people build go to Primary Children's Hospital. Um, Where's it going to be this year? It's at the same place every year, the Southtown Expo Center in Sandy. And if you've never been, it's such an amazing experience. A lot of the trees uh, are bid on the night before the event starts, but there usually are still a few that are left for purchase. Um, everything from Disney theme to trains to stars. I the did way a out. Usually do a tree. Same with the jazz. Yeah, I don't know. Bruce Company one. actually usually bids on a few trees, and um, then they give them to their employees in a raffle. That's really cool. I, d- I did one. I did one. Um, I think it's been about four, four or five years. I did about five years ago. I did a tree for a girl that I worked with that passed away in her honor, and and uh, and it got bid on, and it was just a little tree, but it was it was awesome. That's awesome. You know, I I really I've been considering asking my mom to put her dream catcher tree. <laughs> you should <laughs> in do the that. Of trees. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would get bid on. <laughs> oh, I think it would probably make some good money. <laughs> that that would be awesome. Anyway, so I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Um, Another event that's going on um, is Epic Pro Wrestling is doing a fundraiser for the Road Home. And it is on the 26th, and it's from 12 to 2. 
on 3060 South Lester Street, which is just red. It's like a Redwood Road uh, rec center or something like that that they're doing this at. But can I say I'm glad it's finally started to get cold? Yes. I got talked about it last week or the week before, but no, because it wasn't cold. Yeah, well, no, it's it's yeah, last week. It was like 70. Well, and that's what I was saying. Degrees. Like, I hope it gets cold because you know people don't. It's freaking November and 80 degrees, and you don't think, like, oh, there's shit people, there's people living on the street still. Yeah, but it, it might be 70 degrees during the day, but it's, oh, it's 35 at night. At <laughs> but you're asleep, you don't think about it, and you're in your warm house, and you wake up in the morning. By the time you're actually, like, you know, out and about during the day, it's just people, it's just this, this thing inside their heads where, you know, if it's not cold, they don't give. So, I think it's important to to do stuff to to participate in these activities. You know, bid on a tree or you know just show your support. Um, donate to the road home. You know, X ninety six does its food drive. Um, really, today as you guys are listening to this, they they do it today before Thanksgiving. Um, but that stuff that stuff goes a long way for a, a lot of the year. It's not just right now. Um, this is some of the biggest time of year for them to to collect that sort of stuff. So. Well, now I get to bring out my nerdy side. Um, not that you haven't seen it before, but you haven't. So um, I just want to talk about the Westlake High School Marching Band okay. a little bit. They are headed to the Rose Parade in 2018, which is in like a month. And isn't the Rose Parade the first? In 2018 or in 27? Oh, no, 2018. Sorry. Yes. Where is that Far out. Yeah, oh, so no, 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 like that year, is that yeah. far out. Yeah. So, but yeah, it'll be but a I'm, But it's important to talk about it now because of the funds that it takes to get a band um, anywhere outside of the state, really. Um, usually you see big bands like American Fork or Davis High School going to events like this. And Westlake is by me. Saratoga Springs is not a big it's city. Big. Um, this band has been built over the last... Um, nine years um, by this uh, band director, Breck Mangelson, and he has done a phenomenal job. And it is really great that such a small town gets to take their band to the Rose Parade. And yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. The Rose Bowl's huge. Utah won't be in it this year. Um, but perhaps... <laughs> but maybe 2018. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> next be, year, perhaps 2018, um, we'll be in it, and it'll be a much... Oh my god, can you fucking believe that? 2017. I know it's crazy. Just, just but they're the they are looking for they're doing fundraising. You can donate through the Alpine School District Foundation. Um band season's pretty much over now, but there will be next year. There'll be winter events and I'm sure they can take donations there if you just wanted to donate. Um it's such a great opportunity for these kids um to get out of the state and to have this experience as a group. Um because what it does for them in the long run is just it's it's amazing and and I will always always support um, marching band and and band groups. Speaking of local high schools, um, I'm going to transition to news if you're done with events. Are you? I'm done. See, look at that. Look at that. This is uh, less exciting than marching bands getting to go to the Rose Parade. It's it's kind of sad, actually. Uh, so last week, uh, I think last Tuesday, and, I, and, and we missed talking about it on the show. Um, but uh, last week at Mountain View High School down there in the Orem area, I think it's in Orem, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, it's on uh, it's on Center Street. Yeah. Um, there was a, a kid there, uh, a student there, who in a locker room uh, stabbed five other boy students uh, in the throat, in the, uh, the torso. Um, pretty crazy, horrific shit. Everyone survived. Uh, luckily, um, nobody nobody died. There, there were a, a, a few of the kids uh, did have critical injuries. Um, you know, they got stabbed in the throat. They might not ever fully recover from that in terms of, of you know, vocal cords and, and breathing capabilities. And it's not a part of your body that heals really well. Uh, and it's a very sensitive, delicate part of your body, your throat. Um, no real... No real reason they can think. Um, he was definitely prepared for it. They said they, they found other evidence that he was he was prepared to kill. Um, yep. <clears throat> but it seemed intent. Yeah, it seemed random. Um, it wasn't a kid that was bullied at that school. His his parents said there wasn't a bullying problem. It's completely out of the blue. Um, the news said some stuff about him being homeschooled, uh, but he had siblings. Um, that also were homeschooled, and he—it's not like he just came out of homeschooling and all of a sudden stabbed kids. So, a um, little crazy. Uh, I also bring it up because, um, so one of the folks that I work with, uh, his son, uh, sons actually go to that school. One of his one of his sons um, was standing right there when it happened. It's a little crazy, a little scary for him. Um, his shoes, he has to take off his shoes before he can leave. The cops ask him to take off his shoes because they're, they're covered in blood splatter. splatter. Part That's of the crime scene. Evidence. Yeah, yeah evidence. Uh, has to leave his phone and his bag in the locker room uh, and just basically leave in his boxer shorts because he they, they're kicking him out of the locker room because that's where it happened. Uh, I mean, kids basically 10 feet away from being stabbed. It was random. It wasn't like... I'm going to stab these five specific people. It was random. He just started stabbing in the locker room whoever was within reach. It's a lot of anger. That's a very personal thing to do to that, stab someone. And that's what's crazy. Like there's there's no indication of of any kind of bully because usually when you see something like that, you're thinking the kid's been bullied, the kid's got a you know some sort of rough life. Maybe he's just a freaking psycho. Maybe he was I mean, bullied. People don't really know. Like I know his parents said that he wasn't, but it's true. But you don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and and that stuff will come out. He's being charged with five counts of uh, first attempted first degree murder, yep. uh, and a whole bunch of other crap that goes well, along with that. And if you look into the report, they said they had to use a taser to get him to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, he was his intent was absolutely to kill the people he was attacking, um, and I. I I suspect, I have suspicions, uh, he would have been okay if they would have shot him. Like, he would have been fine dying that way. True. That might so, have been what he wanted. A lot of times you, you see that happen. So, really tragic event. Um, really unfortunate. Um, but, got to mention it. I mean, it's, it's something that they think is important to talk about, at least at some level. Um. So the prison, um, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> crimes, this is not not intentional, by the way. It just kind of happened that that was the next one up for me. Uh, the, the prison um, 
their land purchase has gone through and been finalized. So $12.4 million land purchase, uh, 323 acres, um, still out by the airport, basically, like I-80 and 7200 West-ish, yeah. I think. Um, a lot smaller because of the environmental ap- impact with the wetlands, a lot smaller than they wanted, um, but uh, that's still where they're going to do it. Um, so have you heard what are they going to do with the old site? Are they just going to tear it down? Yeah, they'll just demolish it and develop it. That's the whole reason they want to move. There's developers out there in Bluffdale. I mean, if you think about it, when the prison was first built, hell, 20 years ago. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. Like Draper was forever far away from Salt Lake, and there was hardly anything in Draper. And now you're out to Bluffdale where the prison's at. Right, There's the houses the all around it. There's houses everywhere. There's houses up on the you know the point of the mountain looking well, down at office, us. There's, there's those office. There's that office space literally on the other side of the entry gate. Yeah, and they want that land to develop. They want to commercialize and, and get some residential stuff in there. It's a lot of land. Um, and that's really more than anything. That's what's prompted the move. Now, to be fair, that prison's outdated. It's oh, yeah. old. It's a piece of crap. It's so I've got populated. A, I've got a friend who works at an engineering firm who was brought in. This was probably you know, three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, to look at the roof system. And they said it's going to cost you more to go in and fix the roof system than it's worth. So yeah, that's just, that, that that prison is old. So it's it's a long time coming. It's going to be even longer to finish. They still think it's probably going to take about four years to complete. Really, all that's left for them to get started uh, is to get the hall road in, um, so they can actually start hauling stuff out there. Uh, but my guess is it probably won't start till spring at this point because it's getting a little cold. Uh, well, and if they're out there in that wetland area, yeah, you can't be out there when it's like this. You can't you can't put foundations and stuff. Yeah, in there. you can't put in the road the road base. Uh, it's it's just too too moist. So is this prison the prison in and of itself is sizably bigger though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it's it's going to be set up to house, I think, six thousand inmates uh, is what they're they're looking at. Um, um, and it, it's interesting. The article um, they talk about. Uh, the prison, I mean, really the work that's going into it, you're, you're building a small town. Right. Cause you have to put all the infrastructure in out there. So you're, you're talking about pulling in sewage, um, water, you know, tons of pipe, all the, you know, all the power that has to go out there. There's no infrastructure out there at all. So it's a, it's a big. Plus you gotta, you have to, for it's a prison, you've gotta build it different. Because you don't need a little Shawshank Redemption action going on where someone climbs through the wall and out the sewer and escapes. Oh yeah, I mean it's, I mean it, you, the 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 stuff that goes into the actual building of the prison itself, the walls and everything's is pretty significant. But you know it's it's not just uh it's not just drywall that goes up on a steel framework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, that's that's a uh, that's happening. Um, you know. Um, a little bit of news on the uh, the Bruvies Deadpool thing uh, this week. So for those of you that don't know, we have a local theater in the Salt Lake City area that serves alcohol and plays movies. It's called Bruvies. It's really fun. It's kind of a dive. We talked um, about them last week. Did we? Yeah, Tim Burton, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. So they do cool shit like that. They host the Tim Burton Festival thing. Um, uh, and... And uh, they got in a little bit of trouble uh, this last year. Um, they showed uh, Deadpool. And basically, uh, from all accounts, it was essentially a vice sting. 
Like they knew what they were doing. It wasn't just something that he happened upon. They showed Deadpool, which has uh, nudity and sexual acts in it. Uh, honestly, not as bad as everyone made it out to be, in my opinion. Um, but uh, according to state law, um, they banned serving booze during s- films with simulated sex and full frontal nudity. Well, there's precedent that have already been set across the country. Uh, there's a freedom of speech precedent there that they actually can show whatever the fuck they want. Uh, and booze can be there because it's not a live, not a live dancer. And there's no reason they can't serve booze legally um, and show those films. Um, so, but it's going to go to trial. Um, interestingly enough, they, they, they tried to settle out with them and say, no, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, if you guys agree to this, we'll kind of, you know, push it under the rug. And, and Bruby said, basically, no, fuck you. We don't want to pay it because it's a $25,000 fine. Um, and it would likely, uh, result in them losing their liquor license permanently. Yeah. Which is stupid. Which is stupid. Uh, which is horrible. Um, interestingly enough, and I think we, we maybe talked about this a few months ago. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, who is the star of Deadpool, if you <laughs> haven't seen it, go fucking see it. It's a great movie. Um, he actually donated $5,000 to help pay the legal to fees. Help pay legal fees. <laughs> because it's a big deal. I mean, Bruby's is, is a great business, but it's a small business, right? It's, it's, they don't <laughs> have shit. For a small business like them, a $25,000 fine could seriously hurt them. Well, yeah. It's, and, and beyond the fine, beyond the fact that it's a $25,000 fine, I think they could probably raise that, uh, through like GoFundMe. In fact, I know they had a GoFundMe for, for some of the legal stuff, but, um, it's the loss of the license. Like the loss of the liquor license just destroys Brewies as a business. That's well, that's what they're. Ba- I mean, that's it's a bar. Why people go? Yeah, it's a bar that shows movies. People don't go because the seats are fucking great. No, the seats suck. You go because you can enjoy a beer, laugh at a movie with your friends, and maybe have some great nachos or something. Right? You don't go because because yeah. you can't drink at a, any other theater. No, not 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 in Salt Lake anyway. There's a theater in Ogden, uh, the Movie Grill. Uh, it's not be called that anymore. They just changed ownership. But you can have drinks and watch it. You know, a show up there. But they're few and far between out here. And it's a great it's a great I think avenue. It's something that I, I would love to see more of. Larry Miller in his VIP rooms. Get on that. <laughs> yeah, you could get like a fucking sprite with grape syrup in it there it's I halfway think. to a moscow mule <laughs> no vodka there though i need the That's five why i said <laughs> i wouldn't even call that halfway a third <laughs> that's like that's like saying me giving myself a hand job is halfway to me having sex with a woman it's not. It's <laughs> not even in the ballpark. One's definitely more fun than the other. You betcha. And it ain't my hand. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to uh, lead in. We can't lead into our interview with that. So we better do one more story. No. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Homelessness. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about poor people. Um, so this is an interesting story that the Tribune published. Um, by the way, uh, even though Tribune's local, they're... They've been getting worse and worse over the last few weeks. Their website's been worse. Their stories have been worse. I hate the pop-up ad every time, but it's easy to print. <laughs> yeah, it is. They do. They they are very printer-friendly, um, but I'm just not as impressed with them anymore. I'm, I'm really getting disappointed. Anyway, so they, they put a story uh, in the paper that's 
I read through it twice. I'm still a bit confused, but essentially there's confusing numbers between what HUD is estimating in Utah and um, what Utah is estimating. So um, year-long data essentially, um, according to the Utah Division of Housing and Community Develop, Development uh, revealed that homelessness jumped from 12,000 to 13,000. There's some other numbers in there, but basically by a thousand people during the same period, um, which is a, a growth rate of 7%. And in that same period, HUD is reporting that we experienced a 19.5% reduction in homeless families. So clearly, hmm. the two entities are looking maybe at different numbers. I think maybe it's saying that. Like homeless in general versus homeless families and veterans. Yeah, but the state's report in May also said that the homeless families was up 17%. That's huge. Well, and so for, for HUD to say it's experienced almost a 20% decrease and Utah to say actually it's almost a 20% increase, like there's a lot of confusing data here. And, and at a time when we're trying to... Um, find a place for these people. Like, which data do you do you go off of? Right. Well, uh, be, before the show started, we were talking briefly. Haven't they announced? They haven't announced. They've picked the sites, but they haven't, they haven't said gone. where they're going to be for the new homeless uh, yeah, housing. I, I'm am I'm, I'm suspecting they probably won't say until they get um, land purchased, building permits, that sort of thing. Because as soon as that stuff goes public, you're going to have outcry from wherever it's at. There's no good place to put a homeless shelter. It brings property values down. Um, it makes development difficult. I mean, look, even with all the development that's going on uh, downtown near the homeless shelter, Pioneer Park is still not it's not a great place to hang out. No, we had a we had a guest that said they had spent some time in Portland, and the homeless problem is just as prevalent up there because. They are being accommodating to the homeless people, and so people are actually coming here because we are being more accommodating. More accommodating. Yeah, I was. You know, I always like to bring up South Park, but there is an episode <laughs> of South Park. I don't remember from when, but um, it's I think it's from last season. But uh, there was there was homeless people. Cartman was was actually keeping them in his basement. Um, but homeless people were coming and as soon as you gave them change it caused more to show up like they multiplied (laughs) and so all the homeless people in the world were coming to South Park because someone would give them change but as soon as you started giving them change you started asking for change and so you became like this homeless beggar it was just this crazy thing but I mean there is something to be said about that um but on some level, like you can't turn a blind eye to these people. There are people that will come here because they think maybe they they're going to have a chance here. Because a group like the Road Home, you know, they do really good things. They get a lot of people back on their feet. They get a lot of people into more permanent housing with jobs. That you know, they give them a place to have an address. You ever tried to apply for a job and you don't have a mailing address? You don't have access to email. You don't have a phone. You know how hard it is to get a job when you don't have any of those things? Even at freaking McDonald's, it's impossible. So to have that kind of stuff um, helps a lot, helps a lot, uh, and gets get, the, get helps get these people back on their feet. So uh, they provide a good service. 
Uh, I want to talk about one other thing. It's not Utah necessarily, um, but it's one of my loves. It's soccer. So the uh, you guys probably have no idea, and you probably won't be. What interested. happened? Uh, what ended up happening today? Uh, U.S. Soccer Federation fired Jurgen Klinsmann as the U.S. Men's National Team head coach. Um, basically, on the back of two horrendous losses in World Cup qualifying last week, um, kind of a long time coming. I think he never really delivered on his promises. Um, and Bruce Arena, who currently coaches the LA Galaxy as the new U.S. men's national team head coach. He has already done that job at one point in his career, and he's, he's going back to it. Um, but that's huge news. Anyone that's a soccer fan, that's enormous news. Well, and what about your Real player? What ended up being his function on why he left after 10 years? Oh, yes. 10 seasons? 10 so, years. Yeah, so that's, a, that's played out really interestingly. Um so he held a press conference uh, last a week. week ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. last week he held a press conference, and um, basically um, the club handled it poorly. I mean, really piss poor. Like I get it; it's a business. So essentially, his contract. So he had a contract extension, uh, and there was a clause in the contract that said if he started at least twenty four games um, in this last season, it automatically renews the contract, you know, and basically it was a three year deal with the last year automatically renewing, basically giving him this last year to retire and finish his career with Real Salt Lake where he's been for since 2008, 2009, like no, like 10 10 years, years. 10 years. So it's like 2006 or seven. Like he was a big part of the, the team's turnaround. Um, but essentially, um, he played 23 games. He was sat the last oh. game of the season. Shouldn't have been sat. We lost that game, by the way. Uh, but he started the game on the bench, came in at halftime, basically. Uh, and you tell me that that wasn't... Like, I don't think it was planned throughout the season. Like, he's we're going to keep him under 24 games. Um, but clearly, like, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that, that watches it or is, is close to the club that that game shows up and they don't have to win it to be in the playoffs like there's you know they, they've got outs and yeah let's go ahead and start him on the bench let's make it so that we don't have his contract auto renew you know that that's that's in the thoughts of of the gm uh, of the coach and there's there's probably discussion going so he said he was in his exit interview they said they're you know they're gonna exercise that clause in his contract uh and have a good day uh sir yeah, which is a really <laughs> shitty. Now, there may be like what Javier Morales had said in his press conference is he had had one text from Jeff Kassar since he had sent out that tweet that the club hadn't reached out to him. Um, and he told his family, you know, he, he thinks he's got a year or two left in him and he told his family they're moving. Like they don't, he, they don't have a job here anymore. They got to find something else. Um, the club, you know, said, well, we don't know what the press conference he's calling is about. We don't know why he sent out that thing, which is all bullshit. They bold-faced lied about it. So they've just handled it really, really poorly, in my opinion. And at this point, like, essentially the way it works is they could renegotiate his contract by exercising that clause. But my guess is it didn't come across that way because they didn't say that. Regardless of if that was their intent, you know, the message was delivered in a way that this guy who's been part of this club for, for 10 years is like, that's it. And they let him walk out thinking that's it. Like, that's just fucked up. That's a poor way to handle it. So anyway, that's my rant. Thought it was really shitty. 
I agree. That's not cool. But anyway, so we got a cool interview coming up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I did uh, quite a bit. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. I like it because Jess just like looks at me and shakes her head yes. <laughs> so, Why do you like that? I don't know. Because it looks like you're going to say something and you're just like, and no one can hear what you're doing <laughs> over there. You just, instead of saying, yep. This is or, fake radio, I'll have you know. They can't yeah, see you. Yeah, they can't. I'm, not for now. Maybe I'll put some fucking cameras in. Around, no. around, but Anyway, uh, enjoy the interview from Steve. Like I said, there is a uh, special announcement at the end of that interview that he gives us. and uh, An exclusive. Absolutely. Uh, sounds like it's going to be something really cool, too. Really good. And we got some other stuff uh, off mic that uh, we can't share. But uh, this is going to be fun, too. So have a good one, guys. Have a good Thanksgiving. Enjoy your families and uh, eat until you get fat and puke. Okay, with us today we have uh, Steve Conlon, who is an owner and operator of Ogden's Own Distillery. We love uh, Ogden's Own. Here in the state of Utah. How are you, Steve? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, We enjoy your spirits quite a bit here. Uh, (laughs) At least Jeremy and I do. Jessica's not a a huge drinker. I'm just uh, the enabler. (laughs) Yes, she is. Brings back wonderful scotch from Scotland, of all places. And uh, Everybody's got to have a driver. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> proud, proud driver. We uh, tasted a lot of your stuff. I know uh, everyone else loves Porter's Peach. Great, uh, great. That's our latest. I'm not a fan because I don't like peach. <laughs> really? Have you I, tried it? I have tried it. Okay. I saw. He did taste yeah, it. So much like peach that I yeah. just don't want. It. <laughs> I love it. My wife actually, who hates whiskey, uh, loved Porter's Peach, and okay. she hates whiskey, and she thought it was was really good because well, she loves peach. So. Yeah, um, and there's there's a there's a sweetness to it that if you're you like sweet peachy cocktails, it's it's good to mix with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and straight. I mean, hey. Did you eat a peacho and you were like, let's bottle this? <laughs> um, <laughs> Those are my favorite gummy candies. <laughs> That's funny. The first few promotions we did with that, we handed out peachos yeah. to go with it. Because, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it fits Utah culture. You know, you have the, the fruit way up near uh, um, Willard and towards Brigham City there, and there's a tradition of uh, – you know, peaches, and it just, when we tasted the flavor and how it mixed, blended with the whiskey, it just, it was a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, it, it really does, I mean, the whiskey tastes like peach. It's it's really quite incredible to have yeah. a whiskey taste like that, because you always see infused vodkas, infused yeah. rums, but... That have a hint of whatever it is they're trying yeah, to... But to, yeah, but to infuse the whiskey, that's that's pretty amazing to, to really get that flavor. Yeah, we like it. It's only been out, what, since October? Yeah, I mean, it's hard long. to believe. It feels like forever. Wait, is it October? Well, it came out in the September in our store up in Ogden, but um, didn't hit the Utah DABC stores until the beginning of October. So do you guys age the whiskey yourself? Uh, distill it and age it yourself? Or? We don't. We actually blend with a three-year-old Canadian whiskey. Okay. Um, and that's why it's so smooth. It's just it's a really smooth Canadian that we get and blend that's fantastic. So. Yeah, a lot, you know, well, even if you, I mean, for it to be something where you distilled it and, and aged it yourself, I mean, like you said, it's, that one's three-year age. You you could be, you know, holding off for three, four, five years, kind of like High West is having to do right now. Where, exactly. You know, they've got stuff sitting in barrels, but, you know, they're not really able to sell any of that stuff yet because it's not ready. That's that's right. why they, they mix everything that 
they currently have on yeah. the shelves in the stores. That's my understanding. Because yeah. well, because the stuff that they they batch it's still sitting it's still sitting barrels, there. It hasn't yeah. aged yet. Yes, but then you can try the spirits, and boy, that's like drinking no <laughs> <Yeah>. polish remover. <laughs> <But, laughs> straight spirits. Yeah, that's what. So what I, mean? I went to I went to a brand new distillery in Scotland when I was over there last what year. Comes out clear. Yep, and so you know, by law, three days, three years, and one day is Scottish law for uh, for their first batch. But they serve the spirits in their uh, distillery on their doors. And that was my first taste ever. Huh. <laughs> but that's so, interesting. Yeah, I mean that's and that's why you'll see that local. Companies are really pushing rums and vodkas and that sort of stuff that doesn't need to be aged. You yeah. can get it right out the door. So, and, uh, so you guys distill your own vodka, right? Right. Um, what else do you distill in house? You know what? Um, we are using you know a white spirits. It's we're just going with a grain neutral from from corn. So underground has been our original product. It's got that sambuca Jägermeister flavor mm-hmm. and that, that started stuff. in two thousand and nine. And that's a, it's a blend of herbs and spices with, uh, uh, what they call a grain neutral base. So we, we go from corn to a, a grain neutral base and then we blend it from there. Blend it and infuse from there. I love that. So that that's amazing. Flavor. That means that the very, f- when I, I bought my uncle a bottle of that, that had to have been the very first year that it was out then because I had just moved here. Yeah. It came out in August of back. 2009. Wow. Nice. So I don't, I don't know if it's on purpose, if it's a strategy, but. I can't think of underground without thinking of the U of U tailgate parties. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been to a few of those, and uh, we know uh, people end up with bottles in their hands. That's about all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Legally, that's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> no, the U- that's a great, you know, we go to the University of Utah um, tailgates every home game. And uh, do you guys know the history behind the parking lot up there and kind of how, how it Works and what wh- aspect and why it's like being in a foreign country? Because I, I went to the, I <laughs> went like to a really. caste system. <laughs> well, it's, it, I went to the U, but that was about tw- twenty years ago. It's so part of, it's part of the VA parking lot, isn't it? Yeah, so you know it's illegal to drink on campus, right? Oh yeah, it's a dry campus, right? Right. <laughs> so what the University of Utah did, as I understand it, is they donated that parking lot to the VA. And the VA now rents it back to them for like a dollar a year. And then each lot is subleased out to the people who hold the, you know, the, the right, to, the for ticket it, yeah. for it. So now they are a subleasee renting land who now is responsible for every person individually on their at, land. at their party. Yeah. <laughs> so it's That's a, clever. So it's a really big, giant, open, private parties, bunch of private parties sitting next to each other. So technically, as long as you stay it's on like your little lot, you can do whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Don't get a lot of noise complaints. Every person that's there <laughs> is is a leasee, right? And and that for us, um, you know, I don't want to give away any trade secrets here, but it's the only real event of the year that it's like being in a, a state that doesn't have harsh liquor control because you can go up there and you can visit the people you know and you can show up with a bottle or two and and share with their friends and and in a way it's you're just going to a bunch of house parties and it's yeah. great yeah. so do you guys set up do you have any or you can't go we, that we we can't um 
it's our understanding that the University of Utah will allow you to go up and do promotions, like when the Bud Light girls are up there and everything. Right. But you have to pay, I think, $5,000 per year for access mm-hmm. to promote. So, you know, we know enough people that we're able to just go up there and hang out and create, uh, you know, environments that uh, work for us as far as promotion. Well, yeah. I love all the pictures on Twitter and everything else. Yeah. Every time there's games and and every weekend in general, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of yeah. pictures and posts. and go, go up there. It's still a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun when I was in college. It hasn't changed. It was no, a lot of fun in 20 five years ago when i was there yeah yeah <laughs> it, it is and you know there's a there's some diehard people up there it's it's great yeah yeah there really are people doing whole pigs and stuff in the parking lot. right there. well yeah the pig bus would well be up there so back yes. back in the day and maybe it's changed uh but but this was before even the olympic stadium so back in the day the students got in free if you had your activity cards you got in free they had the crummy student section yeah the oh. mus but, uh, but it wasn't man. the must. That, no. that that was Urban Meyer that created the must. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, before that, I mean, it was always a student section in that area, but it was never like it is now. I mean, Urban Meyer created that atmosphere huh. uh, at the U. I really credit that change to him. Because the must didn't exist as the must until he later. Yeah, and Urban, such. Urban was after my time. Oh, yeah, he was after me, too. So... I mean, I just remember, I, I would go to games with a Camelback full of Jack Daniels. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we'd all enjoy the game a few hours before it started because well, we lived on campus and then we yeah. all migrate down to the game well even it's funny <laughs> like you walk into the to the stadium and the user dry campus and so no alcohol in the stadium of course and of course the, the pillars around all the entry gates in the stadium <laughs> are beer. just full of empties <laughs> everything <laughs> from fifths to pints to cans doesn't bread solo cups they're all just sitting there on the pillars right yeah and i don't i honestly don't know um how that is now how we stay in that guardsman lot because we know we're you know we're not going to get many trouble yeah. there and um i don't know i no, can't speak to the yeah. other little zones <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh so that's always a lot of fun um what uh what's your favorite product i mean that you, you know guys what put out? i'm i'm a personally i drink five wives I drink Five Wives vodka. Five Wives. I'm a I'm a Five Wives in water, you know, and occasionally a Moscow Mule here and there. But you know, it's a for me, it's a um, occupational hazard, shall we say? That you know, you find yourself uh, consuming alcohol on a regular basis, and at 64 calories an ounce, vodka is it's the best better. way to go. It's the best diet with, liquor with water have. and a squeeze of lime, <laughs> you know, um, instead of consuming, you know lots of sugar yeah um and and you know underground porter's fire uh porter's peach they they do have added sugar to them they're they're a lot less sugar than say um fireball or jägermeister i mean comparatively we're about 35 calories an ounce less than those products or yeah 25 calories um but they still have sugar they're they, yeah they um, have to I'm yeah. on a personal mission to get all those young club kids to stop drinking Fireball and start drinking Porter's Fire. Yeah. I'm like, just try it. And then I'll get a text that's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm like, I Yeah, it's you. a lot smoother. <laughs> it's a lot smoother, a lot less candy-like, um, and, you know, a lot less calories. Yeah, Fireball is like a, like a cinnamon Jolly Rancher. Yeah. yeah or like a, an atomic Fireball. 106 yeah. calories per ounce to Fireball. Wow. So... Think sixty four to vodka, so you've got yeah. what uh, like forty said, calories of sugar. Vodka is the best uh, yeah. diet alcohol. 
So I have some questions from a couple of your wives, your oh, five yeah. wives. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they'll throw out to you. <laughs> Just remember, I've never been married. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so when we say five wives, we mean yeah, those yeah. wonderful women that yeah, are on yeah. your label. Um, uh, yeah. This is, so you like to drink five wives on your product. What do you drink at the bar besides your own product? Um, you know, I've always been a beer drinker. I've, uh, I'm a Guinness guy, uh, Newcastle. Uh, grew up drinking Shiner Bach, being Black from Texas. Mm, uh, Bach. Yeah, Shiner Bach was, you know, I always say that when I lived in Austin, we drank more Shiner Bach in that city than the rest of the state combined. <laughs> I don't know if that still holds true. No, nope, it probably does. No, I, I, yeah. I was born in Lubbock, so oh, I can speak for the west half of the state. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't drink that stuff. Yeah. I, it's I, PBR I, and Bud Light. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was what I did. I, I, I've been a beer drinker. Um, don't drink much wine. Occasionally I have some champagne if the situation warrants it. Uh, liquor wise, I really don't drink that much. I'll either Five Wives Water, Moscow Mule, or beer. I mean, that's kind of. Moscow Mule is the unofficial official drink of the Utah, new Utah podcast. All <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. Nice. It's actually surprising so. not to see a copper mug on this table. And the so. cranberry one, when we saw, I saw the recipe for the cranberry one. That actually looks. Maybe we'll try that for the Christmas party. Festive. Yeah. We, we do uh, push a thing called the Mormon Mule, which is. Mormon Mule. The Mor- it's, a, <laughs> it's basically a Moscow Mule with, uh, Porter's Fire instead. Oh, that's good. And a uh, splash of uh, orange juice. A little citrus into it. Just changes it up a little bit. So I I like to make Moscow Mules with a uh, grape-infused vodka. It tastes a lot like a lime ricky. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that'd be good. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. It's another good Mormon drink here in Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Lime ricky. It's an Arctic Circle original. Yeah. You know, I, I... I, th- I was just sitting there thinking, like, the, like, real, the real answer to that question guys. is whatever's in front of me, you know, is probably, but well, tends you, to be you beer. travel a lot too. And so do you try local products that you were just in Greece? Um, I do, you know. Or do you just stick with what you know? I, st- I stick with beer. Like in yeah. Greece, I drink, I mean, I'll drink local beers all the time. Um, in Greece, you know, Uzo is kind of the, the Again, national drink. Is, gra- is Grappo? Is that the... That's it's more Italy. Italian. Yeah, yeah more Italian. Italian. Okay. But they also make a um, thing on the island of Naxos. It's called um, Citron. And it's this... I don't even know what it's made out of. Some plant with these big seeds. And there's a little distillery there that's been there since the... Um, heck, I think the late 1700s. And, uh, you know, I went and tried that and it tasted... Like a vodka, basically. Um, and I thought, you know, I'll just keep drinking beer. <laughs> so, so I, I'm not afraid to try things, but I just tend to be a, a beer guy, you know, when I'm not drinking my own product. So I love trying local when, when I'm out and about and traveling in yeah. different places and just to see. Well, I think beer is a great way to do that. I mean, like, Different regions do have, you know, certain spirits that they're known for, but most of the time you can get that stuff just about anywhere, but especially when it comes to, like, a beer. I mean, even come to the state of Utah, think of all the local brews that we have here in Utah. Right. You know, you don't get these, you don't you don't see squatters on the East Coast, right? You start just, to see it more as you get in the Intermountain yeah, region, but yeah. they don't do a lot out on the East Coast. Same so. with Uwinta and Wasatch. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and especially the smaller ones, yeah. Um, you know, I think we're up to over 34 breweries, 35 breweries in the state of Utah. It's amazing. Why do you think that is? Um, 
gosh, I, I don't know. I don't really know the craft beer side of things. I know why people are coming into the alcohol side, which we have, I think, 10 distilleries. I was going to say it's starting to grow. Yeah. Why, why is that? Um, people think it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch over time. See who can Ooh, stick it out. Isn't Salt City Vodka one of the newest? No, Salt City's been around for probably about four years, three, four years. So um, who's the new, newest kid on the block? Gosh, there's a couple coming up right now. There's going to be New World up in Huntsville. Kid Cuddy, right? Kid Is Curry. Kid yeah, Curry. Kid uh, Curry. So those aren't even those aren't even... Open yet? They're still working. A kid on. Curry is out. Um, Water Pocket is another one that's going to be starting. Mm, I've heard of that one. There's one I think I want to say Aspen or Alpine up in Park City that's going to be starting. And these are these um, are all spirit distilleries. Yeah. There's Outlaw. Huh. There's uh, Outlaw's been around for a yeah a couple years. While. There's uh, the Distillery Thirty Six who does the Brown oh, yeah. Young. There's uh gosh who else uh, is that Sugar we, House we that's no he'd Beehive Distillery yeah, Beehive there's, beehive, there's the Sugar House there's Salt City and Dented Brick I think yeah. I hit everybody on that list that's that's <laughs> a bunch in the last five years really. oh yeah in the last three years it's yeah, that's, kind that's of crazy. crazy who was the first you guys High West High West and then yeah you? And then us and then so do you guys just sit back and kind of hope that. I, Things go well. <laughs> um, you know what? We're the top selling producer of alcohol in the state that's sold in the state. High West sells more nationwide. Yeah, because they're all over the place. Yeah, but we sell. We are the top selling, most popular product. Five Wives sells more than any other product in the state. Yeah, that's that's and, that's great. Yeah, and so we are very careful not to rest on those laurels. I mean, we're out working, hustling pictures from every event we're having. <laughs> um, we're, we're working. It's, it is hard work. It is, um, I always joke this is the hardest, and I'm not joking, it's the hardest job I've ever had. Um, and I've learned a lot. And part of it is that I came into it not really knowing anything about the alcohol business. And so, you know, it's a well on-the-job training. And in know. Utah, you've got more, more hurdles and issues to deal with than other places, correct? Yeah, you know, and that... Those hurdles, legally, I can deal with hurdles. I mean, I've dealt, I've been in businesses that were highly regulated before. Mm -hmm. And so I get that, you know, jump through the hoops and, and find your path down, you know, play within the rules type thing. What's challenging about Utah is, uh, we have a non drinking population. You know, we have what roughly three plus million people in the state and supposedly about half of them drink. And that's not a very big demographic no, comparatively. Really you go to a state like Michigan, Michigan, you know, sells, um, I think seven times the amount of alcohol that the state of Utah does. Wow. You go to California, they sell Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Montana, they're all much higher sales than Utah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wyoming's tiny. I mean, half a million people. <laughs> yeah. But and they take it from Utah someone share. who pretty much grew up in Wyoming. There's uh, nothing else to do there. Yeah. <laughs> so, not a so, so, so you're, you know, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with the regulatory issues. You're dealing with uh, competition that's coming along. It's, it's a, it's not the, uh, it's not a business for the faint of how, heart. How have issues like the Zion Curtain and other bizarre... They're frustrations. They're not... 
they're not, you know, they don't really affect what you do necessarily. You just get a, you just deal with it. You know, I, I, if I were a restaurant, it would really irk me because you're, you're incurring a high cost for, uh, working around that. Right. You know, um, well, do you guys do tastings? We do. And but our Zion curtain is like a bamboo, you know, okay. folding wall we put up and it's almost as good as the, who, who's the group that put up the actual Zion Beehive. curtain? Beehive. Oh, that, no, that's, no, uh, that's actually Hive Winery. Uh, oh, Hive Winery. Hive Winery. Hive Winery. <laughs> so they're actually a distillery now, too, because they're making some Cider, brandies. Right? And, yeah. Yeah. Cider, yeah. So. Well, brandy's an easy step from wine, right? Because right. that's what it is. So. Yeah. That's where it starts. So does, does the sale of, um, the sale of High West, does that, is that something that you look at and go, you know, maybe we can get to that point or is that something you strive for? Or are you looking to that stay would um, that would send me back to Greece really fast? I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the kind of money that the kind of money that's being you know estimated in that cell. Obviously, I don't think anyone's going to turn that down. No, you can always go no. five years later and open so, up another distillery let, or whatever. To a point though, doesn't that make you sad a little bit that they no sold? good for them? I, you know, I mean, it shows us what's possible. You know, just like you're saying. Um, What's the best way to put it from my standpoint? Uh, my, my standpoint is we're two different animals, right? Yeah. High West started with several million dollars and they raised several million more. Okay. And they built that incredible facility up in Wanship and, and they, they are a, a company that, um, were able to get, you know, big dollar investors and, and had a vision and, and made it happen and they've been highly rewarded for it at this point. Well, when, when they came out, they, they came out, I remember they came out with a, a huge marketing campaign that had to have had some serious money behind it. And they came out looking like this high end, top end product and presented an image that it had all been made in Utah. Right. As a matter of fact, none of it was made in Utah at that right. point. Right. Yeah. And, you know that it it worked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and um, they also were blessed by um, the timing of the growth of brown spirits in the nation. Whiskies have grown heavily, and and um, well, haven't, yeah. haven't we, we? We read an article oh, a couple months ago about how whiskey is the popularity of whiskey has gone up like three hundred percent in yeah, the last like six seven years, something yeah. crazy like that. I remember when we were coming out with a, a vodka and. Uh, Dave Perkins had a, you know, the guy who started High West had a quote in, in the trib because they were previewing that we were coming out with five wives and his quote was something, well, I wish them luck. Vodka's a tough thing to sell. Yeah, it really and, is, right? It's there's yeah, a lot of competition already. Right, there. right. And, um, you know, we were, we were, we had some good marketing and we've hustled and we've worked really hard and, and that's worked out. And like I said, uh, you know, five wives is the top selling locally made. Um, spirit and and when you compare us to High West, we started. I like to say they started with seven million dollars, which I don't know if that's the case, but many millions. We started with less than six figures. Okay, totally different approach. Totally different. We've bootstrapped our our way. We've reinvested every penny. So they were like we, the Donald Trump to your. I don't know. Uh, they just a different model. <laughs> just a very the misty snow. Yeah. Just a very likely to misty snow. Very different model, you know. And um, you know, when you ask if we would take 160 million or something uh, yeah, for what uh, where we're at, <laughs> we we'd love to get to that point. And the 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 difference is, we also know that it takes their kind of money to get to that point, and so. 
you know, we're exploring ideas um, of creating some things that will allow us to grow at a, a little rapider rate than we are. We've got to move out of the state and market there. Um, to that end, we just shipped all of our products to Michigan. Um, that's why I know the numbers on Michigan. <laughs> We're getting ready to oh, do wow. a, a really pretty hard launch there next year. Um, it'll be the first state we've ever been in, like with multiple products. I mean, oh, nice. we've got, you know, five wives and, you know, the regionally and yeah, I was going to say regionally, what do you, what do you have out there? Cause I mean, we've got, you know, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, uh, Nevada, um, maybe even New Mexico, Arizona, kind of regionally that, that follow a lot of the same stuff in the Intermountain area. Sure. We're in Nevada, um, you know, Wyoming, Montana have been kind of our little local markets. And then, um, underground does very well up in Oregon. I mean, I should say reasonably well. Um, we'd like it to do better, but it's got a good solid following in Oregon. Underground is also available in Total Wine and More stores across the nation. So I think it's 22 states that Total Wine and More oh, is wow, in. Oh, wow, that's awesome. They have yeah. those in New Jersey. Yes. New Jersey. Yeah, they, have, they have them all. And so I think it's 122 stores. So Underground is available in those stores um, nationwide. So it's really kind of segmented as to where we are. And this Michigan will be a, a really cool thing that we get to – Go in with all products and see what sticks and see if, uh, you know, we've got a couple new products that are going to be coming out, um, in December and January. And I have a feeling that the two of the new ones we're going to have will actually be on the shelves in Michigan before they are in Utah just because of the regulation differences. So wow. I should tell my friend to go get it and try it before we get to. In Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You should tell your friends. So, yeah. I will. So is the whole Five Wives irony lost in Michigan, or did they find it as humorous as we do? You know, I don't I don't even know. I haven't been there yet. What what I've found is when I'm out in the country in different places, and like I'll have my Five Wives shirt on and stuff, people go, oh, Five Wives vodka, that's pretty cool. And then I'll say, yeah, and they'll go, where are you from? I'll go, Utah, and they'll go, Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, they, they get it. They, there's an immediate association outside of the state of Utah with Utah and polygamy. Doesn't yep. matter how long ago right. it was, doesn't matter right. how much it's practiced in populated well, areas. And in fact, we were talking about this just before you got here out for a brief time. Idaho wouldn't allow the sale because they thought that the five wives would be offensive, culturally offensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you we do have a lot of FD, FLDS people up yeah, there that. If, the frequent liquor stores. <laughs> Actually, FL, FLDS <laughs> do. They do drink. In fact, we have heard. Be down in Texas then, maybe. Look, if I had five we, wives, I would drink a lot more <laughs> than I do now. Listen, I, we've heard, and I haven't been able to um, uh, confirm this rumor, but it's reported that Hurricane Liquor Store, Hurricane down in southern Utah, Hurricane, Hurricane, Hurricane. <laughs> sells a lot of Five Wives vodka because the FLDS are coming over from Colorado City and buying it and going back. You know, I I'd like to uh, go down there sometime and do some research. I think that'd be kind of be like, can you uh, take curious. a picture, please? <laughs> Watch their their security cameras of who's walking in the store. That's yeah. awesome. So you didn't yeah. you didn't grow up in Utah. I didn't. You, you grew up in Texas, right? That's what you were saying. Um, Minnesota and Texas. Minnesota so and Texas. My dad. My dad was a border patrol agent. And, so uh, so Canadian we, to Mexican border. Is it, that? Yeah. So Texas. Wow. When I was eight, we moved to Minnesota, and then I was in Minnesota. You don't have I was an accent. Fifteen. That's a culture shock. <laughs> it was, that's, and that's why I don't have an accent. I got <laughs> teased like crazy in Minnesota, you know? having 
a yeah. Texas accent, so I got so, rid of it while I was there. I went from Texas yeah. to Wyoming when I was in about the same age yeah. in second grade, halfway through my second grade year, and I was teased relentlessly for three years until my accent disappeared. Yeah, I I lost it. And then uh, I moved here from Iowa. I had quite the accent. No, you didn't. <laughs> it's Iowa. It's not Iowa. <laughs> yes, they That's, sound like people from Minnesota, actually. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost moved to Cedar Rapids once. <clears throat> Once. Well, then they told me, well, it <laughs> smells like whatever cereal the Quaker factory is making that week. That's funny. All over town. And I went, mm, I'm good. So <laughs> Border Patrol, Mexico and Border Patrol, Canada. Canada. Yeah. Talk about yeah. two different worlds. Well, yeah. different climates too, right? <laughs> well, like in, in different dude. time too. You know, I mean, we are in the time of, you know, Homeland Security being insane. My dad, when he was in the Border Patrol in you know, 30, 40 miles from the Canadian border, he was the only agent in town. Like, I mean, and he covered, you know, this whole region of northern Minnesota up near the Brown, the Boundary Waters Canoe area. He went up there to visit a couple years ago, and I think he said there are now 20 plus agents stationed there. I mean, it's, wow. it's a whole different ball game. Well, now up in that area, there's a lot of drug trafficking actually that goes on on the northern border, especially up near the Great Lakes. And I know Minnesota's Taking not it. quite there, but. Out from the U.S. into Canada? No, from, from Canada, Canada into the, the U.S. US across the lakes and across huh, the rivers huh. and stuff there. Like, Michigan's got a huge problem with it across the border. Interesting. A lot of high-end designer drugs come across the border. I was border say, what, there. pharmaceuticals? You can buy them cheap in Canada and <laughs> bring them back? Like ecstasy <laughs> and that kind of stuff comes yeah. from up there. It's a big, big, big industry up there now. Hmm. Yeah. So my dad was actually bored to tears in Minnesota. Um, and That's so, easy to be. yeah, um, just his job, you know, there was really nothing going on. He was used to, you know, literally chasing people, daily. people, yeah, <laughs> all the time. And so w- when I was 15, we moved back to Kingsville, Texas, just outside of Corpus Christi. And that's where I ended up going to high school and then mm-hmm. moving to Austin. And I moved here in, got, in night, October of 89. So I've been here a long time. So it's, it's home now. Corpus Christi. That's where my mom was born, actually, is Corpus Christi. Really? Little bitty tiny town. Not, yeah. not very big. That place does crazy with the border problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not quite El Paso. <laughs> 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 you want to talk about crazy? Yeah. South Texas is, uh, <laughs> is, it's a different world. Yes, you it know, is. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like Trump talks about building the wall. He's he's obviously never been down there. Nope. Uh, he's obviously never seen the amount of land and what actually occurs down there. Right, right. It's a. It, it's just. It, in many ways, it is Mexico. Um, you know, deep into the heart of Texas. Oh, yeah. So well, I mean, it was Mexico for a long time. Right. They're just taking it back slowly. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it was not to clap, but I didn't well, want to make deep Chris in the heart of Texas. Yeah. Stars are bright. Big at night. <laughs> That's right. That was reminds me. Do you know any more of that? Do you know any more of that song? No, just the clapping nope. part. No, we had to learn it in elementary school. Well, yeah, we sang it all the time. That's I don't even true. think they sing the whole thing on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. No. So I learned it. <laughs> so I also I understand you're a photographer. Um. Yeah. Don't be uh, humble. About well, that. <laughs> you know, I, I I have to be humble about it because I actually know real photographers. And I can never like pretend like, I mean, one of my best friends of my entire life is a guy named Robert Clark, who's a National Geographic photographer, has I've been for 20 name, years. Yeah. Um, fantastic. He's a photographer. You know, I consider myself a hack. So, um, <laughs> and you know, and I, and I, but I did. So I mean, long story, but when I, when I, 
came to Utah, I was working for the IRS and, uh, I'd been working on a project for a couple years and I decided it was time to go back to school. And so I decided to go back to school at Weber because I didn't want to go back to the University of Texas because it was just huge and it was just be the, be the big fish in the small pond kind of thing. And I, and I went into journalism. Um, so I got a communications, um, minor with a photography fine art, or, sorry, photography fine arts minor with a communications journalism. And that led me into the newspaper business as a photographer. Um, so I worked at the Standard Examiner for about, oh, four years until I figured out that being a hack photographer, you can't make much money. <laughs> and, uh, it's not National Geographic money. Uh, no, and you know, I don't even know how much they make anymore. <laughs> um, but it, uh, it, it was, it's always been a passion for me in, a, in the sense that I was never, I don't have a natural talent at it. And this isn't me being like humble. I could tell you stories, but for me, it's a craft. It's something I've learned to do over years, the years. I've learned uh, skills. I've learned good editing skills. I've learned how to, you know, what to throw away and what not to put out there. And, and, uh, I, I'm not like a visionary kind of photographer person like people I know. Like I have a friend named Carmen Tresser who actually came up with the five wives name. Um, and she lives in St. Louis and she used to live in Utah as a photographer back when I, way back when she was interned at the Standard Examiner and then she got a job at the Deseret News and, and she knew the, she knows the Utah culture and, and, uh, She's one of the greatest food photographers you'll ever see. Go look at her work, you know, on, on her website and it just blows your mind. And, and Rob, you know, did Friday Night Lights. In fact, that's how you probably know him. If you oh. read the book Friday Night Lights or saw the book, he did all the photos in that book back in the late eighties. And, um, you know, when you see the movie Friday Night Lights and at the end of every scene where they take the scene and turn it into a black and white photo. That's a recreation of all his photos. Oh, wow. And so as I was up at Weber State, Rob came to talk at one of the photo classes I was in. And uh, being both from – being from Texas, you from Lubbock, you know how big Texas football is. Oh, yeah. And uh, so – It's called Friday Night Lights for a reason. Yeah. And so we started talking about Texas football and became quick friends and have been friends for, you know – 30 years now, it seems like. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> say, call it 25 years. It's been a long time. And uh, so, but, you know, learning this craft, emulating these people that I know are great photographers and stuff is, I, it's, I, I think to me, photography is like golf. Um, to, is to some people. Golf isn't anything to me. But there, it's something you can't ever perfect or you're always trying or, you know, you're, it's just always a challenge. And to me, do you ever get that frustrated way. and like huck your camera into a pond? <laughs> no, but I do. If you saw his camera, you wouldn't let him no. huck that thing. <laughs> no, but I have broken a few. In fact, I just got one back today from breaking it in Greece. And yeah, I, um, you know, it's, it's luckily for me, it's something that serves me very well in the, in what we do right now and being able to put out pictures of all the events we go to and, and having that, confidence to go up and just take pictures of people and and I, I i really loved photography when i was in high school and i'll tell you a quick funny story is i went to a photo class right and the first assignment was go to one of your other classes and shoot some great pictures it's like okay hmm. i was so shy and so untalented 
that I kind of sat in the back of the room and took a bunch of pictures of everybody's the back of their heads, right, in this class and the teachers up there. And it's just like, it's what you would expect a, you know, a first grader to come out of <laughs> with. And I went back and I printed these, you know, contact sheets and the teacher said, what the hell are you doing? Like what, what? And so I dropped the class right then, right there. I, I was done. So for me, photography's, uh, I've come a long way. <laughs> well, I think so. your, your photographs, uh, for anybody that might follow you on Instagram, um, are just relatable and they're very, Day to day, and you know, and I photography is so subjective. I uh, always look at the stuff at like the state fair, and I just don't even know how the judges even <laughs> judge them because you know what might be an amazing photograph to you might be crap to me, and you know, it just it's what's relatable, just like any art. Yeah, you know, and that's a funny thing. That's what got me out of journalism, actually, was that there was a point where I realized as a photographer that I was taking pictures to try to enter into the professional competition that happens every month. There's a there's a National Association of Press Photographers, and you would submit f your best photos. And it, every month, there'd be peers judging them. And I thought, man, I am not shooting pictures for fun. I'm not enjoying this. I'm shooting to win a contest every month that I never win. And, uh, <laughs> and why am I doing this? And I'm also broke all the time. And, and I'm, I was living fun. I mean, I've, I covered a lot of stuff. I covered the NBA finals when John Stockton and Carl oh, Malone yeah. were at the Jazz. I, I went to, you know, the University of Utah football when they played in the, uh, Copper Bowl and beat Wisconsin down there. And then I, same, same w next weekend, I was in Dallas covering BYU against um, Kansas State or, yeah, Kansas State, I think. Wildcats, whichever one that is. Um, and I was, you know, going to, I went to Nagano before the, the Olympics were there. And I was getting to do a lot of cool stuff. But I was also making like $22,000 a year, you know. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and I wasn't really getting to enjoy my life. And so... It was, it was crazy. I, I ended up getting a real estate license and, um, while I was still working at the newspaper and I made like $17,000, like the first two months I had my real estate license. I went, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> so, <laughs> I kind of, my mental thing was, Hey, if I can make enough money to go attend these things that are fun, wouldn't that be more fun? And I'd get to drink and, and hang out rather than watch them through a little one inch screen, you know? And I think that's what much of life is, is trying to figure out what works, doesn't work. Are you, you know, are you enjoying what you're doing? Is, are you doing it just because you're told yourself you're supposed to? And, uh, so my life has been kind of a wild adventure in many ways that, I find that everything I've done serves me in this job I have now, which which is pretty amazing. You know, the I say so. Then ask yourself that same question now: Do you enjoy doing this? Is this something you're in love with right now? Um, it is a young man's sport, and I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had been young when we started, I'd probably be dead. So it's kind of really a tough. It's a tough thing to figure out. I I love building a business. I love the challenges of figuring out the puzzle that is alcohol marketing. I love, um, I, I, I love getting to go do fun stuff, you know, and like, um, you know, we met at drag brunch, um, is one of the events we sponsor 
And yeah, there are days where I go, oh my God, I don't want to go to drag brunch. It's Sunday. Can I just have a day off? I feel that way sometimes. Yeah. And then I get get there. I get there and it's so fun and so funny and everybody's so passionate about it and everybody's having such a good time. And you go like, why did I even think I didn't want to come to this? You know, and I I think that's life. You know, sometimes you just are uh, lacking motivation. And uh, as far as I always say, you know, I used to own a mortgage company. So real estate led me to a mortgage company. And when I had things go wrong in the mortgage company, people got hurt. Like they could lose a house. Mm -hmm. Um, They could, you know, their interest rate could go up without it being locked and it cost them hundreds of dollars per month. Um, I could have a, a deal not go through and I put a family up in a hotel room because their loan hadn't closed yet because we were waiting for something to get done and their their house had just sold and yeah you know, there were all kinds of things that could go wrong go wrong with dire consequences to you know um that really affected people i go to work now if i don't go to work tomorrow the world's not going to end right i mean th- i've got stuff to do don't get me wrong my desk has plenty of tasks but those tasks aren't going to nobody's losing their home nobody's um you know no real estate agents calling me going, what the hell? Where's my commission? You know, all this stuff. And so there's a lot less stress in this if I can allow myself to avoid the stress. I'm a very type A person. <laughs> I like to get stuff done. And, yeah. I, and uh, huh? I said, are you a red? A I don't red? know what I am, but I, I like making shit happen, you know? And, uh, and so I'm, I'm very driven and, you know, that's why I'm at tailgates on Saturdays and that's why I'm at, um, you know, drag brunch on Sundays. And that's, that's, I don't know. There's something I'm passionate about building the business. Uh, and, um, and the science of it. I mean, the science, the socioscience, like I'm not the science of the production of the product, yeah, yeah, no, I but get what you mean. man, I, the marketing of alcohol is a strange and <laughs> odd, crazy world well and there's a lot of regulation around it too isn't there? there's that but even just the 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 behavioral sciences like why people drink what they do and what and and um how do you get them to to change their habits and what where's their loyalty lie and and how do you get them to move that loyalty and and you know a lot of people come i i get people who come to me all the time with why aren't you doing this why don't you do this why don't you do that and it's the obvious stuff right and it's like you know i've been doing this seven years you think I would do the obvious stuff if it, if it worked? <laughs> if it worked. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, thanks for telling me. Uh, yeah, all right, that's that's nice. <laughs> how how do you get people to you know somebody that grew up drinking wild you know, turkey? Yeah, yeah, wild turkey, and get them to try a Woodford Reserve. You know, like how, yeah, how do you know? Because. There you is know, something I, I want to be very careful about what I put out there and don't because we have competition and we've we've yeah we don't want we've you to learned share industry and we talked about we, we, like eleven new ones the we've last learned years. a lot Leo I was, I was thinking Let's what you said broadly no no like a when, whole. when you said earlier like what do you uh you know what do you do now with all you know as things are going on it's like I sit back and I watch and I watch them make the same mistakes, mistakes that you make yeah seven years and I'm ago. not here to help them um. And I, 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 I think it's going to fascinating to watch um, so, because, because uh, there is 
alcohol marketing is not the same as selling a widget. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is just we. Uh, so we we talked to was Beehive, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he said they they've there's been talk of a Utah Distillers Guild or Distillers Association yeah. forming. There is. Um, it's a, there actually has been one in existence for about a year. Um, it's very. It's just getting kind of some some things going with it. Um, we're part of it. We're we're attending the meetings and that sort of stuff. What what's kind of the goal behind it? I mean, do they have one yet, or is it just to come together and you know try and share secrets? Or I I think <laughs> like share secrets. I mean, yeah, there's no secrets you know, between sailors. So well, you know, that's a, it's an interesting mix of people. Like some people don't even come, right? Um, yeah. That are in this. Uh, some people are very helpful like you know i'll use the example of my person who a company who does our labels like i have no problem somebody says hey you you guys you know your labels look great or whatever who who prints those for you well i'm happy to refer that type of you know um business to this person who helped us out with our labels for years that's that's not a problem there's no but, there's no secret sauce there necessarily no but when it comes to some of the nuances of of what we've learned and, um, you know, how you market and what works and doesn't work. I, I'm not really going to be very enthusiastic about <laughs> showing them the shortcuts <laughs> that what took us seven years. And in, oops. And in many cases, I'm still learning. Let's see. Just kill that. Oh, it's, no, you're good. It's just, it's yeah. So, you know, and, and, High West wouldn't do that for us either. No, right? and they're part no. of the guild. And, so, you know, so is it? You need to learn on your. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is it something? I, I kind of when I first heard about it, I, I kind of thought, you know, that's that's probably a, a good way to get, um, more than anything, maybe some lobbying power for the legislature. Exactly, because like, that's that's a huge deal. I mean, if I, I think in terms of I've I spent ten years in the medical industry and small private practices don't have any kind of power when it comes to negotiating contracts with insurance companies like Blue Cross and they'll band together and form groups so that they can go after those insurance companies for better contracts. I, I think that that's the number one thing that it can provide us that and a a collective um, a voice, voice in dealing yeah. with the DABC. And not that that's really that difficult, but it puts us all on the same page and we can communicate in a way that um, everybody's getting the same information and the same messaging from the DABC and to the DABC. Well, and that, that's a big deal. So if they're right. dealing with 14 entities all requesting slightly different things, things get misconstrued. But if you have 14 ent- entities talking through essentially a single body, the message is – it's impossible to con- you know misconstrue at that point. Right. And I mean a common – I'll give you an example of where like this has already served us is that – so in, in Utah, it is – you cannot allow – like we have a package agency on site, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot allow any booze to go out your back door, okay? Like I can – if I'm going to sponsor an event, say – well, Park Silly is a perfect example. Okay. We sponsor Park Silly and we have for like four years. We can't give them booze as our sponsorship. There's no such thing as in kind. I have to give them cash as a sponsor. Then they have to go buy the booze. Okay. We would much rather give them booze than cash because we could give them a lot more. It would cut out the whole. Well, yeah, because then you're not, Utah, then you're right? not paying. 
the Utah state taxes, then you're not paying the Utah markup that also goes into right, tax right. revenue. Like. Okay. So that's a perfect example, right? Now, there's always been consternation of, among everybody like, well, is that legal? Cause, you know, you're, they're really taking your money and buying booze with it. And, well, you know, are you, you know, are you incentivizing them to buy your product? Are you making them buy your own product? And there's a thing out there called tight house rules, which is a federal law. Okay. So the, the state of Utah has to enforce this tight house rule as well. And so things have to happen in a certain order to make it all legal. So I'll use the example of this podcast. If you want me to sponsor this podcast, I, you couldn't go buy the booze and call me and say, I bought your booze. Will you now pay me to spot as a sponsor? Okay. Because now it's my sponsorship is implied to be conditional upon you of having bought my booze. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I say I'll sponsor it and I give you a hundred dollars and then you go out and happen to buy my booze, it's totally legal because you got to choose what booze you were buying. Right. Yeah. How do they know we're going to buy five Y versus underground? Exactly. Exactly. And so that has always been a question. And in the DABC, like we could go as the guild and say, what's the proper way for this to work? Right. And then we can communicate it to all the members that, Hey, you know, if you're going to sponsor something, you have to sponsor them and then they have to buy a product and it's up to them to buy whatever product they want to buy. You can't demand that they buy. Isn't it funny that you have to go to the DABC? to get explanation of laws created by the legislature that are that ambiguous. Yeah, that's actually a federal law. That's the crazy yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it is, you have to remember, you live in a state with, what, how many legislature members are there? 70? Something like that. Yeah. I think 58 of them are Republican, and of those 58, only two admit to drinking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're dealing with people who don't even understand a culture of alcohol. No, at most all. of them, most of them think it's it's such a horrible thing. That right, uh, it does yeah. it's, it's it's sex, so. drinking, and coffee. Right, which is why you yeah, know if you can't list from, of sins from right the third order. floor balcony of a theater, see a drink getting poured two stories below. Isn't that I mean, insane? That is insane. You're going to want to just jump right off that third story down into the liquor well that that, that is being. <laughs> that is one of the most insane things I've seen since I've been here. Um, yeah, it's just stupid. Now I moved here when you'd walk into a private club, oh, private club, and you, you get mini bottles. You get you. mini bottles. Mm-hmm. There was no mixed drinks. Yeah, and now you can't get mini bottles. Now you can't get mini bottles. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. How cool would it be to have five wives mini bottles and each one had a different wife on it? That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, future that's marketing a packaging nightmare. Thing. Collect them all. Collect all five. Packaging yeah. nightmare. But what a great idea. Yeah, we have five wives mini bottles. They're just not available here. No, well, wonder yeah. why. I bet you can get them in Idaho. You can. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, if you <laughs> buy a bottle of Underground, there's one attached right to it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So. Maybe that's an idea for future marketing. Uh, a wife and like do a collector series with all five of them over the course of a year. <laughs> I'll tell my production. You'll <laughs> <laughs> <He'll> love it. <laughs> Well, that to whoever like made your like your porters, uh, yeah. your porters fire light up sign, uh-huh. yeah, that's the scariest sign ever <laughs> when it's dark in a club. Yeah, yeah, that um, that's a fun sign. So I have one last question for you. Oh, I think okay. uh, unless you guys have something else, 
Yes, actually, I have more wife questions. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one I want to hear about the yeah. ask your wife question. Yeah. Are you ready? Or are oh, you I'm first? ready for okay. it. I want to hear it because this is I'm going to ask the last question. Okay, so. perfect. Um, so they wanted to know you just took a trip to Arizona, and they wanted to know what you came back with. Personal a- Arizona. Ha- uh, have a Oh, have a, have a soup Yeah. The have a soup reservation. Oh, yes. yeah. That. And they just, they wanted to know what you came back with, whether it was personal, emotional, spiritual. Um, I'm not a very spiritual person, so. No skinwalkers followed you. No, home. you can throw that right out the window. <laughs> um, I don't think they're personal. Reservation, are they? I don't know. Huh. What was my, what are my options? Personal, <laughs> personal <laughs> not, spirit, not spiritual. So, uh, yeah. Emotional. Do you need to phone um, a friend? Did you buy something? Yeah. I don't know. No, you I didn't know what they were alluding to. These were know. just questions. They That's gave interesting. Me. I know who <laughs> asked that because um, she was on the trip. Uh, you know, for me, life is about experience, and I love experiencing new things. You know, I just got back from Greece and Paris, and um, you know, to me, it was a trip of a lifetime to get to go do that, and then. Um, have a soup I was, I don't think I'll, I don't know that I'll ever go back to have a soup I, but to have gone was amazing. And, and to have that as one of my experiences in my life, uh, you know, is, is just, I don't want to sound like it's just a, a notch, you know, on the, on the checklist of, you know, bucket items. Cause I don't really have those either, but I love to be able to, you know, say that sounds like fun and I've always wanted to go do that and I'm going to do it type thing. And so perhaps a sense of accomplishment or just happy to, to have gotten to experience it. So we'll put it on the emotional side probably than more than anything. I don't know. No keychain. No, no. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a bit of a, I'm a <laughs> <dream> catcher. <laughs> Free Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not much of a trinket person. <laughs> either my I've mom never, just asked me about like bringing stuff home for people she's like why does why do people even do that and yeah and you know i mean here i'll a little disclosure this is gonna be so sad but <laughs> oh wait till the next question <laughs> yeah. no i am um, and i said i'm not a very spiritual person that's not my side i have never had a christmas tree that's how like non-spiritual kind of sentimental i am i don't I don't need an ornament. Well, you've you never know, been married, right? Right. No. Uh, yeah. So that does that does limit when you're by yourself and you don't have Yeah. It. Yeah. It's just not one of those things like that. Yeah. For a lot of people, like Bree's ex, she had to buy him a little tree. So he put, she bought him a Charlie Brown tree originally Aww. because he wouldn't put anything up. And he, she's like, the girls don't want to go over there if you're not going <laughs> to. If you don't like, have Christmas this, tree. Like, <laughs> So she bought him that one, so he puts it up, and then right. I think she got him another little, and she's like, you have to put it up. Like, you, you just have to for... Just a little air freshener know. Christmas yeah. tree on, <laughs> yes, yeah, I can on do your doorknob. Yeah. Hang one. Yeah. Just get Hanging the festive from ones. chandelier over your yeah, table. Get, get, the, get the like Christmas wrapping ones that have the lights on the wrapping. Hey, have you seen the empty wine bottle Christmas trees? That's a good one. No, now, that's awesome. So me and my roommate years ago, this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we would... We would buy, this is horrible, but we'd buy Coors Light cans, uh, you know, the silver, mm-hmm. pack, silver bullet day. And we would buy the big 30 packs at the Christmas season and we would build a Christmas tree out of it. That's, See, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. 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 I've done that before. Yeah. 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 We just over the whole season just keep building it and building it. Well, that's we the had closest a, we got to Christmas trees. <laughs> we had a, we had a collection of Christmas things in our house when I was a bachelor with a roommate. We had a, uh, 
They had a, a reindeer from someone's reindeer thing, like their long, like wire lit Plastic up reindeer. Wire? No, no, like the like the steel coated wire with lights strung hey. up in it. Yeah. Part of this, we had like the Rudolph, and it lit up, and it was just the head. And so we had it mounted above our fireplace like a mantle, you know, like a, a nice mount. We That's had good. a uh, wooden baby Jesus from someone's manger. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's good. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we collect, and at Christmas time they would all see. Come to out. me, that's just kind of all this crap you have to store. It just it makes no <laughs> sense to me. I'm kind of a minimalist. I mean, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm like I, I shouldn't say I'm like a hardcore minimalist. And I have I have things, and I have nice things. But you walk in my place, it's pretty sparse. I'm not I, you know, I don't I don't want to. I don't like clutter. I, I, I can't. Christmas tree is just clutter. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> that is like a perfect segue into your next wife question. Oh, good. So, <laughs> are, there, these, are there five of these? Uh, they only gave me four, oh, unfortunately. Dang. But I'm not going to, I don't think I can ask the last Look, that, one. That fifth, that fifth wife, she's just so beat up. She doesn't want any questions. <laughs> Possibly. They're probably going to ask for raises. So, no. So, they wanted to know, you now have a Porsche and a nice apartment downtown. I do. And they want to know, your wives want to know, how has that helped your sex life? (laughs) 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 That was really a question that was given to me under the light that Um, goes to the pool table. (laughs) um, Well... I'm going to plead the fifth on that. that. I'm just going to say it hasn't hurt. Plead the fifth one. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's uh, not quite a Ferrari. Uh, yeah. But no, no. But you know, I I buy I I have a Porsche for me, not for anybody else. Yeah, I, that's uh, how it should be. Yeah. I uh, I grew up uh, that being my dream car, and I was able to buy one. So what? Um, what is it? 2005. I had a Boxster. And then I had a mortgage company at the time, and the mortgage crisis of 2008 hit and hit me hard financially. Um, so I, I had to uh, liquidate. And, yeah, that was a good learning lesson for me that things don't really matter. I mean, uh, I went through a process at that time in my life. I literally – I had a 3,500-square-foot house, five bedrooms, six televisions, a theater room. I mean, it was insane for a, a guy and his dog, right? <laughs> and one day I woke up and I said, I'm getting rid of all this getting rid of it. And I had a, an estate sale. I had one of my, my person who had been my assistant in my mortgage company. She came up and, uh, I told her to sell everything inside. We, and I sat out in the garage and sold everything out in the garage, all the tools, all the man stuff. She handled all the knickknack crap. And, um, I left that. I moved into a condo with a love sack, a, a small little kitchen table, a bed and a desk. And your dog? And my dog. Yep. And, and I've never looked back. I mean, to me, I had, I moved to downtown Salt Lake. I lived down in American Towers. Great view. Awesome little oh, place. Yeah. I had to buy furniture for it, which was weird. You know, it was just, I had gotten used to just not really having anything. Um, and, uh, but going back to the Porsche whole thing is that I had, I had dreamed of buying a Porsche someday and I had finally got it. Now I had to give it up because of a financial situation. And I, it just was like, eh, you know, it's just a car. Um, and now I was able to buy another one this year. I got a 2016 Cayman, uh, GTS and it's a, it's a lovely car and, um, I'm, I'm glad to have it. I feel very lucky, very fortunate. So 
Okay, so last question. Uh, you've been in Utah for a long time, so we always ask everyone this at their, okay. their interview. Um, what's the one thing that you would tell someone they had to do before leaving the state of Utah? If they came here to visit, one thing they'd have to do or they should do before leaving. Well, they should buy a bunch of Five Wise vodka and take it back to their friends. <laughs> you are the first guest. I, I think you are the first guest to actually pimp your own product. Yeah, right? well, hey, that's that's why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, the one thing you'd have to do in Utah. Um, I'm not going to say see the Christmas lights at Temple Square. Uh, <laughs> um, Gosh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, to me, Utah's not one thing. I mean, I I love being here. I love the four seasons aspect of it. I, uh, you know, I think you need to do whatever you're interested in. And you know, like for me, you know, I I'm not a big skier, but I do know people who love skiing, and that you know, I would say ski Utah powder or. Um, you know, do a hike, um, uh, in fall leaves if that's your thing or, you know, get out and enjoy Utah. It's, it's, it's so diverse. Um, you know, go to a drag brunch show. It'll blow your mind that there's this kind of diversity in Utah. I hear there's really good omelets there. Yeah. Have nice. you guys been? No. I haven't been. Oh, you guys yet. have got to go. It's like, <laughs> you know, I think that that we sponsor that event, um, one because it's good to be associated with that demographic. Obviously, you yeah. know we're not we're we're not stupid. But when you go to that show, I love when he uh, Jason, who's the the host of it, will ask, "What's the demographic of the audience?" He asks, "You know, where are my gay guys? Where are my lesbians? Where are my straight men? Where are my straight women?" And this show, which was packed, was about half straight women, which. Woohoo! I'm happy to be there. <laughs> you know, but that's the great thing. It is so diverse. Utah is so much more diverse than people give it credit for. It has distilleries and breweries and, um, you know, and Good it ones. has the Good greatest ones. gay pride parade, you know, in one oh, of yeah. the greatest in the country. It has a gay mayor. I mean, and I, I, I keep bringing up these gay issues because it's, there's a, perception of what utah is there's a reality of what it is and it is super diverse it's not you know cult uh, racially diverse but um you know salt lake county voted for clinton over trump you know mm -hmm. i mean there it's just it's it's a great place i always tell people salt lake is turning into kind of the austin i left yeah absolutely um you know 30 25 years ago uh, austin's still that way Austin's an insane city now, yeah. though. I mean, it, to me, see, Seattle was the city that Austin has become, yeah. you know, in a way, if I look over time, kind of the transition. Yeah, I could of, see that. So when I was in Austin, Austin was like Salt Lake is now. Seattle was like Austin is now. It's just. And now Austin is just so super progressive and liberal. and Yeah. And, and it's almost like Portland. It's become a character, caricature yeah. of itself yeah. in a way. When I lived there, it was still kind of. It's it. It was what it was. Yeah, you know, there was no like preconceived. You're going to go to Austin. This is what you're going to experience. And I think that's what Salt Lake is now. Is that you can come here and just be blown away by what Salt Lake is in Utah and and having the outdoors part of it. And I don't know. It's 
it's home to me now. Um, I'm not a, I'm a huge winter person. I, I start getting depressed right about now. Uh, maybe a Christmas tree this year will cheer me up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll have to buy you one. No, one. no, 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 no. <laughs> we'll pre-decorate it and I'll, everything. I'd rather go steal one. <laughs> <laughs> we can arrange that too. So, yeah. That, yep. <laughs> well, well, I just, I just want to say he brought up everything that this podcast is about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm probably one of the first people that have talked about what the whole idea of starting this podcast is and was about was that Utah is so much more than than what the cereal types are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you know, and being in the liquor industry, I always tell people like we sponsor stuff. Because we want to support the uh, – it's not really a counterculture, but it's it's the culture that exists in so many other communities that is perceived as counterculture here, if that makes sense, right? Um, you know, here to fit in when I moved in, you had to be Mormon. Now to fit in, you just – you can be yourself, and that's a, that's a nice transition. And so, you know, we, uh, we find ourselves – really gravitating towards, you know, things like drag brunch or, you know, even Park Silly, a fact that you can drink on the street on Main Street in the summer on a Sunday. What? <laughs> you couldn't have done that 20 years ago, you know? So. Well, thanks for joining us, Steve. Yeah, uh, thanks for having it. me. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to how, let me talk. How can people get a hold of you? Um, the best way is just uh, via email. Um, info at ogdensown.com. Okay. So, um, or our website, which is ogdensown.com. Or, or you can just support them and buy Five Wives, Underground, Porter's, Porter's Peach, Porter's Fire. You know, Small Business did Saturday miss- is coming up, so support yeah. local. Did, so. did I miss anything else? Well, you know what? We're, we, I'm going to give you guys an exclusive right now. Um, I will be turning in to the DABC probably tomorrow or Monday, our latest product, which will be Porter's Apple, mm. which will be uh, kind of our take on Crown Royal Apple. Um, so it's going to be an apple whiskey. Okay, Jim Bean's yeah. doing one of those now, yeah. too. Yeah, that apple flavor is oh, the green apple big. or more of the red apple? More of a red. Um, it's, a, it's a crisp kind of um, oh, apple. It's it's It is tasty. So um, more more of the hard cider side of things, or kind of an yeah, in between. Yeah, we're uh, just gonna have to try it. That's yeah, all. Yeah, it. it's it's not as sweet as say peach. Right. Um, we've backed out of the sugar a little bit. Um, it's gonna be. It's got a, a little more whiskey bite to it. Uh, yo, we we do a lot of research before we do something, and and we try to um, figure out. You know, it goes back to that behavioral sciences part of this, and. Uh, so we, we really looked at what's successful out there and kind of... Apple's big right now. Yeah. Apple's and ciders are, are so, a big thing. And we've got a couple more uh, Porter's things on the horizon. So it's gonna next year is going to be an interesting year for us. They've been they've so. been great so far. So I think Thanks. you're... You we'll have to